Hello, and welcome to Moms Talk Autism podcast. Today, we have what we would label as a enrichment episode, if you will, of our grief series that we did. So think of this as a kind of an additional installment. So stick with us and we'll jump right into that conversation. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism. Okay, so just to jog some memories here for those that have been um, loyal listeners from the very beginning, you know that we did a six episode, six installment series of that focused on all the stages of grief where we all had our various shared input in our of our lived experiences through all those stages, um, and even focusing on just kind of the perspective of grief um, and that not being linear and how it's this wheel of adaptation. We touched on it in some of our conversations, but it wasn't a real uh, big particular focus. It wasn't a staple focus, if you will. We, we had a question that came up with one of our community members uh, for a potential, you know, grab bag question. And so this kind of ties into that, which is, is the coping strategies. What are your coping strategies around grief? Um, and how, how does that work? Well, also what's come into view right now and where we all, the four of us are at on our journey is also a reflection of looking back again. Yeah. How, how were we coping? And what we shared in some of those episodes and specifically in the episode of the wheel of adaptation about, you know, it's a Venn diagram the concepts in each of those spheres overlap, you know, at any given time there, none of the feelings of grief are exclusive to one or the other. You could feel all of them at the same time. But what we didn't talk about is that you can also feel joy at the same time. Joy can happen in tandem with the grief that we're experiencing. There can be, um, and I'll highlight those, uh, items, but there there's, Sometimes we deny ourselves of the joy and I want to talk about why that is, but we'll say is that, well, I know that we all will edify here in our conversation today is that letting that joy in is how we coped or it's how we're coping. It is, um, and it doesn't mean that you're not grieving. Um, it doesn't take, Mm -hmm. it doesn't rob that. One is not exclusive to the other. And that shouldn't be a myth-busting concept, but for many it is, especially when you are in the thick of walking through it. So um, I wanted to, while we're talking, because just I'm going to highlight the the three things of, of why one might struggle to embrace joy and grief kind of co coexisting together here. 
so that we make sure that we kind of even cycle it into our stories and identify maybe where we saw us being resistant to it. So one is that we're busy hiding our pain. And I know I'm guilty of that. Um, We make it wrong. We feel that joy is wrong, that we can't possibly feel joy because what has happened or what is occurring is so bad and so heinous. Like you feel so there's such extremities on where you are with your grief that it feels so wrong to feel joy. And we, again, that lack of awareness that these two concepts can coexist together. Like it's okay. You know, like saying like, mm-hmm. hey, we can like, it's like we can be neighbors. We can ride the bus together. <laughs> we can be passengers, you know, on this ride. It doesn't have to be that it's one or the other. And we do, I think even when people look at things like it, let's even if you look at, and then I'll share it, part of my, my story, my lived experience is that when you have your loved ones, your support system, and you're trying to explain to them what you're going through or what it's like, then you feel like, well, I can't show that them that I'm joyous too, because if I do, then they think that I'm also not struggling with grief and it's not as bad as it may seem. Right. So I think that that falls in there too. Um, anyway, I would really like to hear, I think we all are walking through various forms of grief while also experiencing joy. And we've been giving ourselves permission, in fact, probably seeking it out, making it a priority to have joy in our lives um, while we're walking through like really hard times with our kids. Like it's never just, it's, it's it's never just joy, really. There's always definitely for sure. There's definitely hard things along this, this journey. So Whoever wants to dive in first, I would say also there's three of us here today to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. I am Jean. We also have Tosh. Hi. And we have Brittany. And everyone has Hello. smiles on today, and they are authentic smiles. These are not fake ones. We're, there's no pretending over here. So Ooh. tell me, talk to me. Who wants to go? Who wants to talk about where they are and kind of this around this concept and what like how it's relevant to your life right now yeah mm-hmm, sure let me go um okay so uh for me it's been a whole like an overall changing experience um it is not to say that you know, there aren't things that happen daily with Jack or with, with interactions, uh, that Jack has with other people, um, out in public, whatever it may be. Um, but for me, uh, and, and again, as a Christian, I'm going to put that out there as a, and I won't even say Christian, I will just say as somebody who loves Jesus, you know, my life has profoundly changed in the last, um, you know, four years, uh, as, as far as grief and, and joy go and, and 100% coexisting, um, you know, the, the loss of, of a child, um, was that first really big experience that, that changed things for me. Um, and, and I, and I think that that was a good little test drive. It was a good little test drive 
um, for this autism journey. Um, and, and again, that, that whole side of, of, of allowing these two, these two things to coexist, um, didn't really happen until over the last four years where I really said, it's okay. It's okay to be, you know, sad and angry and upset that, that this is the way that life is while also saying, you know, that life is really good, that life is really good. Life is hard, but life is really good. You know, yes, Jack is struggling, um, or we are in a regression with something or, you know, the most recent thing, you know, getting his, his report card and how many report cards have, have I had in this journey? How many times have I, I mean, gone you're not this? used to it yet. And I always, <laughs> and I always say like, it's not like I'm not used to it, you know, like I know where we are, um, you know, but yes, it, it, that first initial feeling that I get reading it, you know, where, where my soon to be, you know, nine-year-old little boy going into fourth grade is at a, is at a first grade level, pretty much across the board educationally. It's hard. It's that's hard. It, it, I don't know if it will ever not be a total gut punch and, and, and then throwing me back into that, that cycle of, of grief and sadness and, and asking God, you know, why, why does it have to be him? Why does it, why, why is this the life that you have chose for him? Um, but PTL, praise the Lord for all of you out there that don't know what that Thank means. Thank you for describing um, that acronym because you know, I did not know. Yes. You know, I love my acronym. <laughs> <laughs> um, that I quickly can move out of that out of that sadness, you know, and, and not that it just like goes away and all of a sudden it's everything's happy, happy, joy, joy. But, um, where I can really say, yes, Jack is on paper at this level, but holy, sh- holy, holy, holy shnikes. <laughs> I heard that word today. Yes. Uh, and I was, it's from holy the nineties, nineties reference from the nineties. We, <laughs> um, he has made leaps and bounds this, this school year, you know, um, yes, educationally, you know, or as, as an educational component, but just in himself and his confidence and his interaction with his peers, whether they be, you know, diverse or typical, um, just the way he is at home, just, just everything. There's been so many great achievements and changes, that even in the, you know, those regressions or even in reading, you know, where he's, he's at educationally, it, it's, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it, the joy of just him and his happiness is what I can sit in and, and, and literally, like I said, what I can praise the Lord for. And every I also, day. so what I want to identify you know? too, which is so key to everything that you shared and we briefly talked about this before this episode is that again, that those, uh, we'll call them the negative feelings, the depressive emotions and all that stuff. They're fleeting. It's you're more adapted. That's what the wheel adapt- adaptation is. So Much after you cycle adapted. through things, cause it's a cycle and you're cycling through them over and over again, you do become more adapted. You can, you have the tools and the, you're equipped, mm-hmm. you have the agency to move through them more fluidly and then not stay mm-hmm. stuck in them. 
right? And then at the same point, you know, you can, it allows the group space for joy. And I want to point the thing out about that. There's also that one of the things that we don't have as parents, especially in the very beginning is again, we don't have that agency and capacity. When we sit in these rooms with the educators and the medical professionals, and we look at these assessments and obviously all of the rubrics are like deficit based. And we're looking at that and that's what we're seeing. One, there's a disconnect. It's not their child, right? So they're not experiencing it. And two is they themselves, they are more adapted. They've been in these rooms. They know it's not as like, it isn't shocking for them. They, this is not their first rodeo. Most cases. I mean, yes, everyone has their first time. I'm fortunate to say that I don't have, haven't had anyone sit in any of these rooms thus far that it has been their, their first time walking through an IEP meeting or an ARD, whatever, but Mm -hmm. you know, they have capacity. And I think that the professionals don't know that. And there's this expectation that you, the parent would. And so, you know, you got to give yourself a lot of stinking credit that you can not, you can move through that. Like, look at you, look at, mm-hmm. look at you. It's mm-hmm. like that Paul, it's like that look Paul Rudd reel. It's like, look at us, look at us, look at us now. Look at us. Look, we can handle that. Oh, your kid's only functioning at a first grade level. Yeah. We got We've this. Got this. totally fine. It's great. It's wonderful, you know. And 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 that's not to say that other people are not going to be in a in a very different you know place. And it's okay if you are and and you're not experiencing the joy, um, you know, as quickly into the the diagnosis journey. Um, but there are a, a multitude of different things that changed in my scenario in Jack and I. You know, our families. Um, journey that, that has helped with this, you know, my own, just my own personal growth. Um, you know, I, I can recall just what, what, two years ago when we all met and it was the end of the year and we were all getting ready to, you know, you guys were coming here and same thing. Do you remember how I sat in just upset over Jack's, you know, end of the school year and his report card and all of that kind of stuff? It was hard. It paralyzed me for, you know, heavy, you know, and, and so just thinking just, that was just two years ago, you know, and, and again, it's, I'm, I'm not putting this expectation on people and, oh, it should, you know, but, um, you know, it, it, it will change. It does change. Um, it gives you endurance for the next hard thing that you're going to go through. That's yeah. going to come up, honestly. Yes. And you'll be shocked at yourself going like, yeah. oh my God. I'm like, I mean, I'm not handling this perfectly, but like, I can handle this. Really? Sure. Me? All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can, you kind of surprise yourself. Yeah. There is, whether you like it or not, you are going to build capacity and get stronger. You just, there's no, you, you just are. I don't care what your beliefs or values or whatever. You, right. This is your kid. This is what's going on. This is what's happening. It is, you are, you are going training for that marathon, whether you like it or not. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and like you said, Jean, there is no, the two can exist together and there is no, I have to explain this to somebody. I can't, I don't have to put on this, you know, happy face or always be in the sad face because if I, if I don't, you know, 
if I'm not one way or the other, then people are going to think that I'm not grieving anymore, or people are going to think that I'm, you know, too happy to be struggling. Um, right. Struggling, you know, yes. Yeah. So that, that's, mm-hmm. that needs to just be right. cut out thought immediately, you know, um, it's okay to be sad, really sad one day and, and to even feel joy an hour later, you know, and, and be back on track or whatever you want to say. It's, it's okay. It's okay. I have a question. Let's say you're in a period where you're really struggling survival mode, Mm. you know, moment, whether that's a medication change or transition to summer or back to school or whatever it is, right. Um, for in your child is struggling and therefore you are struggling and somebody you're at the grocery store or at the bank or wherever. And someone that you, you know, know kind of, well, you're an acquaintance. They know your kid. They know that you have, you know, autistic kids and they say, how you doing? Like in passing, right? What do you say? <laughs> how do you answer that question? Or maybe it's a friend, a friend that you know, maybe well, but you just haven't seen in a while, right? They don't know the updates. They don't know that you're in survival mode. Like, how do you handle that question? Being honest, but also, you know. I think it, to me, depends on handling the capacity of the conversation. If I tell them and I'm honest, if I'm going to, if I'm going to disclose that information, am I going to be able to handle their reaction? Do I have that capacity? Yes. Am I going to be able to field whatever questions they have in that time or moment? Like, what is my time frame here? Like what's the, what's the, there's so many things. There's so much mental load around that. It's a loaded question. And a lot of times I'll be like, if I know that I go, I go, you know, that's a loaded question right now. I don't know that we, we got time for that, but you know, I'm good, you know, fine. So I'm kind of indicating that I'm on the struggle bus right now, but we don't have time to get into that. But look, I'm smiling. Like we're good you know, yeah. kind of thing. I mean, that's been, I mean, that's kind of really been my, I guess I could answer that well, because I feel like that's the answer I've been given to a lot of people. Into, well, it's you know. like, it's like in um, Schitt's Creek where David goes to a party and oh my God. he's, he's stress eating and he says, I'm stress eating. And the guy goes, what's stress eating? He goes, I don't think we have time for that today. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <That> conversation. <laughs> I don't know if we can cover that oh, in this her time frame. Oh so there's a, there's a whole anyway, reel of him having those responses, like yeah. people asking questions about that. And she's like, he gets to the bonfire and he's like, I'm going to need a drink, a stiff one. <laughs> stiff one. You know, stiff. I mean, there's all kinds of responses definitely to being, I guess it's just, it's just all situational. Right. But I tend, I can't lie. Like that's the thing. I'm a terrible liar. And as we know, I'm a Taurus and I'm also an Enneagram eight. And so it's, you know, the filter button. I don't know. I just, I can be very candid and whatever. I mean, you got to size it up. You just size up the situation. It's not always. So let's say that you decide to disclose some information. like, I feel like you're like, I feel like this is a, I have this friend. I feel like just go. asking for a friend. <laughs> I totally am. This is my problem right now, Jean. Okay. Help me through okay. this. Like outside with the neighbors and the friends barbecue, right? How you doing? Or you see somebody, I'm at church. Hi, how you doing today? Oh, you know, good to see you. Good morning. How you doing? What do I say? What do I say? Because I'm not going to yeah. stop in the middle. Right now, of my you're trip. talking right now at this moment. Right now, yeah. this moment, I'm, 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 I got this. This is what I say right now. But I say, I'm on the struggle bus. I say I'm here. 
I say that. I don't even I answer like the that, question. Right? Yes. I say, I'm that's here. A, I made it here today. I'm I'm physically here. I think that's a solid response. That's a win. And that indicates it. That's all that's I a, say. You know what? You know what's even better? What? I'm here. PTL. Okay. Come on. Come on. I've never Have heard PTL, but maybe I'll start saying that. <laughs> I feel like I fit, throw a little praise, praise Jesus in there. Then things maybe we'll turn around. <laughs> well, I do think too, I think doing that, because I've done that many times too. It's like, well, I'm here. I'm here. I mean, I have said, and people like, yeah. and, it, and people like laugh, it, but I'm it, like, no, really. Give like, me a pulse of like, are they ready for the next yeah, part of this yeah. conversation? I, could I disclose another thing? Could I really give them like a indicator of what's going on? It gives you a gauge. Maybe, you know, it's a way to like. Maybe that's what I'm doing. Get a, it's it's getting you know, grazing a temperature of the room. Like, can I tell you this? Do you want? Do you really want to know? Is that mm. question an empty gesture? Because you know, yeah, you know. So it's like gauging the it's, authenticity of the other person that you're about to actually tell or not. You know, and I don't think it's. That's I okay. I, I'm, I'm that's just an like, excellent. This, there's so much nuance there. I mean, that's an ex- <laughs> how many how many times are we conf- confronted with that? Seriously, how are yeah? I don't I don't think it, it's ever an empty gesture, right? I think that people truly do care about when we it, everything is such small talk most of the time because everybody's in a life of go 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 right. that it's just an it's just a. Well, I think with customer service, it can be an empty gesture because think about the, the grocery store. How are you today? Did you find everything you needed? Well, you know, no, I mean, no. like, yeah, not that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's... I'm always like, right. Heck yes. I found more than I needed. What does it look like? Come on. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, I, I don't think that I think people are always well-meaning because if they're not, then they just don't ask, you know, but is it's, sure. it's, it gets down to the point of like, yes, do we have time to go into this? No, we don't because we're at church or because we're standing in a grocery store line or because, you know, whatever. So right. I'm, I'm surviving. Right. Right. I'm you got to scale the response too. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's just I'm all surviving. situational. Cause like, think about that. Like you're reading like the time, the setting, your capacity. Do you know this person? Are they a str- qualifying them like what their relationship is to you do you want to have a deeper relationship with them to share this said information you know and half the time half the time this i just be- like look at them and and i look over at my children and they're like oh okay i got it you don't even say anything you just look do you don't even need spoken words you just okay i feel like i feel like cool. this is a scene out of a movie let right me, now let me let me check you out faster. I feel like we're we're <laughs> at a bar. You pose this question. I feel like it's a Seinfeld episode. What do you do? <laughs> we're sitting in the diner right now. Brittany poses this question. Oh, what do you mean? You said, well, I'm here. You know, I don't yeah. know. It's just, yeah. it is very much like that. I, it is just, it's all situational. I, I like, I told my neighbors, you know, they asked, we had a block party with the same thing. Like Brittany, you had the block party that, for for Fourth of July, we had a black party, and I was on edge actually because I was like, shit, you know, like I'm gonna talk to my neighbors. My house is on the corner. Like everyone now is gonna know I live here, right? I, I mean, I like <laughs> kind of fly under the radar, but it, I was like, uh, they're gonna be asking me questions, and like, what what do I say? You know, I kind of felt like I was in a a little bit of a similar boat, but um. So you just said, I'm here. Yeah. So did any of those conversations go further? It was a lot of like kind of 
nervous laughter, like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's like I made a joke. <laughs> and then, um, and then I mean, life is not a joke. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a gauging question, though, because if they probe a little bit more or if they say, no, no, really, like, yeah, you're here. Then you know they're in How it. are you doing? Then then you can proceed, I guess. So yeah. maybe that's the best solution. If anyone has a better suggestion of something I could say, I'd love to hear it. But right now, I'm not answering the question. I'm just stating something, like, obvious. Mm-hmm. I just state the fact. I'm here. So, Brittany. Mm-hmm. And you can do with that whatever you want. <laughs> so, tell us. Yeah. Then, then, then the ball's in your court. You choose right. how how deep you want to dive right. into this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So tell us then, then how are you, while you're walking through struggles with Austin <laughs> right now? I mean, that's basically it. You know, how are you, I know your work, you prioritize joy, but we do. Yeah. Something that was very eye-opening, rev- revelatory to me, and I keep thinking about it, is a conversation I had with my um, one of my typical children, uh, I want to say it was a month ago now, um, we're trying to help him navigate life as a older teen slash adult slash man child, because I don't, I mean, technically he's an adult, but he's a man child. Give me a break. Um, there's still so much for him to learn and grow and, and, you know, navigate as he enters into this adult life I love with that this responsibilities. Record, and I hope that if one day when Scott gets married, oh, that we, he totally agrees. He totally agrees. He's this. a man child. That's yeah. amazing. I, okay, go. The, I'm sorry. 19 year olds aren't. Oh, yeah. he anyway. couldn't pay you to be 19 again. <laughs> but, um, but we're having this conversation. We're trying to help him, you know, figure out his future, what he wants to do, even just like exploring and learning and, and what he wants to do next. Right. There's so many different things, choices, options for him. And that's wonderful. Um, but we were talking about our lives and, and the dynamics of our family. And there are some really, really difficult, uh, things that we deal with for our family as specifically, with Austin and being able to socialize or participate in many parts of life that, that everyone else seemingly takes for granted, right? Going to a restaurant, going to a movie theater, doing anything as a family, having a friend over just to name an example. Those are all extreme and difficult challenges for us. And my children see how hard it is for me to take care of Austin. Um, on a daily basis. Some days are better than others. Some days I handle it better than others. Um, but they see, they see everything. And I do my best to have a good attitude about it and try to navigate it all. But I'm also trying to be authentic. I'm not trying to fake anything in front of them because that's not realistic or helpful and no one can be on like that all the time anyway. So it's a balance, right? For me to be authentic, but then not to be discouraging for them and to set a good example. And, um, we were talking about that and how, as, as you become an adult, you know, you have to make tough choices and it's not all, 
<laughs> it's not all fun and games being an adult. Uh, it's really there. It's really difficult at times, and you really have to be self-aware and and learn what's best for you. And I turned to him. I said, "Our life is really, really hard, and it's a daily struggle. Sometimes minute by minute, just trying to survive the day." But I said, "I'm happy." Okay, I I I am still I'm happy. My life is filled with joy. And he looked at me like I grew another head. He thought I was absolutely crazy. That's now he didn't say anything. He just looked he looked at me extremely skeptically. Like that's that was terrible grammar. Let me say that again. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me with extreme skepticism. There we go. There we go. <laughs> sorry. Type 1. Sorry everyone. Oh, um you can cut that out, Tosh. I'd appreciate it. Yeah, I don't. I like. Yeah, that. you're not going to. I know. I'll I'll live with my mistakes. But uh, <laughs> anyway, yes, he 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 didn't. I don't think he believed me. I don't think he believed me. And that was so eye opening for me. He doesn't think I'm happy, at least in that moment. Um, and once again, I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to like pretend. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not going to be helpful for his development or my own but mm-hmm. i need we need to talk about this more we need to acknowledge those moments more and put emphasis on those so he knows that we are now there are periods of time um where it is extremely difficult to find joy or be happy and that's okay we don't have to be joyful or happy all the time that's not what i am saying but overall, I have a joyous life, right? I, I have purpose. I have joy. I, I am happy. I love my family. I love my children. I love my husband. I love myself. All of those things. Um, it's, it's important to, when those moments do arise, whether I manufacture them or they come spontaneously, that I acknowledge them and that my children see that I am acknowledging them. And that is something I need to do better at. That's, that's, that was the eye-opening moment for me. So that's really uh, noodle that for a while. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, it's, <laughs> it's our kids, our families, our, you know, the, the people we love the most when they can mirror something back to you and show you something the way that you don't see it, but they see it that yes. way, it can, I mean, it rocks you. I mean, it can rock yeah. you to the core. I, I, re- I definitely recall moments like that in my life and I'm like, whoa, you know, um, and having to be more and that's, attention. that's, may I just say really quickly too, that that's one of the really great things about these man children, <laughs> these, these young adults, is you can start having those deeper, more meaningful, adult-like peer-to-peer conversations. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's really nice, guys. So hang in mm-hmm. there, especially mm-hmm. at those early teen years when they're just, yeah, oh God. They're just awful. They're like freaking. <laughs> hang in there because- if you if you push through, there really there are these golden little moments, these little nuggets where you can see them grow, and you get to you get to help each other. Like it's it's kind of it's it's the payoff, right? It's it's mm-hmm. it's pretty great. So mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. well, so 
I want to talk. I want to talk. Everyone's just like, okay. I know. I, 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 I totally relate to that. Yeah. Cause again, I, I don't know if I believe I've mentioned it on other episodes, but you know, cause I raised my nieces. So I went through teenage years and, um, you know, they were like a different person every single year from high school, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year. They were just, yeah. there was like this, these yep. new personalities that emerged. It was like, okay, what am I going to get it today? It was like a box of chocolates. I just don't even know. Um, and when they arrived, you know, after they graduated and they were adults, we could have these more intense one-on-one calmer conversations. One, because I'm also not, wasn't all for me, I wasn't, you know, any longer like guiding them. Um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't draw, I didn't, there was, I mean, there was probably maybe some like financial boundaries and that's probably where you are too, Brittany. It's like, you know, yeah certain certain levels of expectations but you're not mitigating their behaviors like you were when they are living with you full time and you know being a minor it's Correct. just it's just it's, it's, it is different so you can have those conversations and and that is that is amazing and i feel like even now like my nieces are now 29 and 31 and just 2 days ago we just had you know our girl time and her calling and talked for a while and it's just just seeing them evolve as people is really, really awesome and fun. And for them to, to tell you how you occur to them is Mm. really interesting. And even at all stages, like how I was when, you know, they were 14, 15, 16. And then, you know, as time has evolved over where I'm currently now. So just, it is, there's a lot of wisdom in them, you know, they're little wise beings um, too. So it's, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, taking that input. It's vital for family life. Um, and there's joy in that. So I, as I mentioned, when I was kind of like laying the foundation of our conversation, I definitely struggled with allowing joy to come in because there was this huge denial. We were really struggling in the beginning of Rory's diagnosis, just what it did to our life financially. Um, and just because of medical expenses, you know, insurance payments and, you know, out of pocket deductibles and everything, even with insurance again, like this was, it was just crazy. So people couldn't family members, we were craving and asking for help, you know, and like, even just from socially, emotionally needing help being like, and they just kept thinking like, well, you're just in the trenches right now. Not realizing that this isn't like it. And they were, cause Rory was still the toddler age, you know, McKenna was two, Rory was four. I'm like, this isn't, this isn't toddler. This isn't just because my kids are toddlers right now. This is much more than that. And so not being able to like really demonstrate and illustrate what it was we were struggling with, I then prohibited myself subconsciously and consciously from experiencing joy because it was like, how can I experience joy when I feel like I'm not allowed to have it? And people have labeled it, you know, it's kind of even like, which shouldn't have done, but you're in such a level of despair. And when you're in a feeling of such disparity, 
you tend to take you're seeking that validation from outside sources. I mean, I sad to say it, but that's where I was. And, and nobody would ever look at me and think that about me. Like I've never cared, never wanted that, never needed that, you know? Um, but this was a new level of heart I never experienced in life. And I didn't know how we were going to get through it. Like, we didn't have family around us, like all of that stuff. And so I really, so I guess like part of my converse, part of my story and experience is really focusing on, I purposely was like denying myself of joy. And then when I'm ready to experience joy, I found a really hard time kind of finding joy in things. Or I felt like, I felt like I had to fight for it at every step of the way, like, there's something I needed for myself, you know, or something for my family. It's just the energy it took instead of just things kind of generating organically and being able to be present in the moment. Um, that was a huge struggle for, you know, really in a, the high, the beginning part of this journey, I would say for the first one to three years. And I too became more adapted obviously. And, um, right now walking through a lot of grief in our life, it's not centered actually around Lori's diagnosis, but our, our, um, the divorce, but how the divorce is impacting both of the kids and Rory with it, the fact that he has this level of understanding that I did not anticipate. It's actually blowing my freaking mind. Um, but I, for like the past couple months and I just realized it, like, like this week, it was like, I feel like I can't enjoy my kids. Like I'm not documenting them. I'm not like feeling like I'm not in the moment. I feel like this, whatever's going on is robbing me of that. And I, why, why is this happening? Like, I love my kids and everyone's I'm like, oh, you're, so, you know, you get the, everyone do Oh, you're such a great mother. You're such a great mother. You're doing great. I'm like, am I, you know, you just like, you're not, you're not feeling that there's some like, you needing that, that invigoration, um, component. So I would say like, it's kind of, I've, I've gotten a little bit of that back. I've seized it back. I've seized saying, no, this isn't going to rob me of my joy. Is it going to rob my kids of their joy? Like, yes, we're walking through something very hard. They're having hard moments. I'm managing it. I'm learning. I have new capacity, new agency, no endurance. I'm becoming more adapted. There's all these things kind of at play. And I still find time, like, I'm not going to like deny myself of like genuine, authentic connection and laughter, like to other, I'm being honest with myself, you know, like I need connection with other people. That is joy, you know, and that joy is resistance to what is going on. And I feel like that's, what's going to also get me on the other side. So that really ties into that question that our community member had, which is like, how are you coping with your grief? It is joy. It's whatever that is, whether you have to purposely be intentional about it, where you have to let it happen, you know, um, 
and be present. Like that's how it is. So the, um, some of the, that I think, so that ties into like how to embrace it. Like how do you embrace joy to allow that the two to coexist? And so some of these notes are obviously, they can be geared to, there's, I don't know if you know this too, like this whole concept of grief and joy coexisting is actually a derivative concept from Christianity. So if you like Google it or whatever, mm. it comes up because it's in a lot of, you know, portions of the Bible and, and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, if you're a Christ follower, but so I would say to kind of reframe some of how they wrote it, it said, it says, step one is to draw, draw near to what I would say, what grounds you, what centers you. So if that's God, it's the universe, society, another energy source, whatever it is, draw to what centers you. Um, You have to believe, we'll do another Ted Lasso Mm -hmm. plug here. You got to believe, you got to believe that joy and grief can coexist together, that they're not siloed. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not, one is not exclusive Mm -hmm. to the other. Uh, You have to notice, you have to choose to notice and experience the two opposite emotions. Mm -hmm. So kind of like, again, giving yourself permission, notice it and then give yourself permission to experience them. Um, And then fix your eyes on whatever your higher purpose is, your higher calling, your higher power, whatever it is kind of looking at to think the thing that's larger than you. Um, let live in the present moment of what's happening. Um, so if you, you are feeling sad, be sad, let yourself process that. If you're happy, if you're both, you know, just let it happen. And When joy feels wrong, as I mentioned out, like, you know, you make it wrong, but when it feels wrong, fight the urge to dismiss it. Don't let yourself, mm-hmm. don't say, no, I'm not going to, I'm going to deprive myself of that today. I don't deserve that. That goes in, I mean, there's so much deeper level to that, but I think that comes up for people a lot. Yeah. It's like, no. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's even just deeper to trauma right. to right. other situations. Like, you're feeling life. guilty. You're like letting go of the, mm-hmm. those ties in the mm-hmm. guilt, like don't feel guilty for, for wanting that. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that is the nourishment. One of the, one of the really quickly, one of the biggest ways that I recognize that was um, n- not even with uh, Jack's diagnosis, um, but realizing that I can experience joy at Christmas time and not be sad that just because I am, I am in the moment and I am, and I am sharing the joy that my kids are having with whatever it is that we're doing, you know, Christmas morning, you know, the, all the things up until Christmas, whatever it is that that doesn't take away that I am not still sad that my child died. You know, it, it, it's, it's not, like you said, it's not one or the other. It is, I can still, I can still grieve and, and, and miss my child, but I can still be happy and joyful and enjoying life in the present moment with what is happening. Yeah. That's, that is very, that really does. Cause I think that for those that don't know, my child died on Christmas morning and yeah. my other child survived and Christmas has been a struggle right. to balance and 
whatever. But that when I finally arrived at that, you know, that just that deeper understanding that it doesn't have to be one or the other, yeah. you know, it, it, I think it, a lot of people struggle with that. Really, I think that that goes to people struggle with when they're feeling grief that is revolved around a significant time of year for, mm-hmm. you know, what is societal, whatever typical. it might be. Like, mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. You'll deny yourself. I feel like you you feel pulled. I have to pick between one or the other, and it's not a talk. And you you're at this. You're at odds with yourself, and it takes a mm-hmm. while. It takes a long time. Some people never get to that. Like some people, mm-hmm. like if, if their mom passed, they can't do Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. You know, and my, mm-hmm. and that's okay. my niece has had an incredible okay time for, time with that. It wasn't until recent years that I could get a mother's day message, you know, I never mm-hmm. expected anything. It was totally fine. Mm-hmm. That's, that was where they were. Right. Like accepting people were where they are with those things, but those types of holidays and dates, those things that have significance, those are a good example of that denying yourself of feeling and, joy because. And, and I think re, <sighs> Um, like, like Brittany said with, with Scott and having the conversation around it, just resetting those, those boundaries and those ideas. And, and, you know, we are, our we are our children's teachers, right? So just like you said, Brittany, we don't, we're not going to put on this show like, oh, everything's perfect. And, and, and things are fine, you know, when really we're dying inside, right? We, we, we want to be authentic and true, um, especially to our kids, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to be too heavy in one way or the other, but we want them to learn again, that just this, that, that it can be very, very hard for you. It can be very hard that you have this sibling that, um, takes away those abilities to do those things, these, you know, quote unquote, normal things that other families can do, but that you can still be happy with the life that you have. You can still be grateful and thankful for, for that sibling and not, not feel like you, all your joy is being robbed of you, that your life is being robbed of you. You know, we, we have to be able to impart that, that knowledge and that wisdom and that lived experience for our children so that they that they are grasping that, right? That they're not having to, I mean, we all have to learn trauma in our own way. We all have to go through things to, to have a better, deeper understanding of it. But, but for them to know that it's okay, that they see us, that yes, I am crying. I am crying and I am having tears because today is a very hard day, but I still am full of joy because I love Austin and I love, you know, that, that he is here with us, that they're, you know, that, that, I wouldn't want it any other way, you know? Absolutely. Does that make sense? It totally. 100%. Sense. You know, that for, for Scott to understand that like, yes, even though I'm struggling, I still am finding joy in, in our life, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, something that I am, I am trying to be more intentional about physically showing that joy, whether that's smiling or laughing more. And I'm not, once again, I'm not faking it. I'm not making it up, but just making sure being more self-aware and not letting those moments pass when they do happen. 
And, um, and I just, I need to be clear. Like I'm, I'm really joking a lot when I'm teasing Scott about being a man child and all that. Like no, he's, no, no. I- <laughs> he's, he's really great and he's doing a fantastic job. And anyone who has their life figured out at 19, like you are a unicorn amongst humans because unicorn. there's no way any of us, like I shudder to think <laughs> how I was at 19. So just know that like, we know that he's oh, doing great. And, uh, you. <laughs> and, and Tasha's got some stories. Let's just say we'll leave oh, it there. Oh, buddy. But uh, we'll keep but, those in Pandora's box. <laughs> but we, you know, it's it. It's just so important, not only for you, not only for your children, but but everyone involved in your circle, in your inner circle, in your in your realm of influence, right? And even for those autistic ki- kids. They need to see when you are happy. They need to, they need to know that you can do both of those things. You know, this is why I love inside out so much. Mm -hmm. The movie. Yes, It's just, I mean, this is, this is exactly what the whole movie is about, right? Yes. Sharing joy and sadness together. That's the whole moral of the story. Joy and sadness together. Yeah, it's it's more than yeah. It's great to be joyful. It's it, and it's important to be sad. But the combination of the two, or even more emotions than two together, that is a full enriching experience. Life. Yes. Yeah, that is it. You just you said, said that yes. Is a full you just like that. You just wrapped yeah. up exactly that, what I was that's thinking. Like the, you did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I'm glad I did you that. Really did. Because we can't, we can't experience anything in life without the other, right? Like that, that, like we, there's, if, if it was only joy all the time, we would be like the Stepford Wife movie, right? And even that didn't Mm -hmm. end good, right? Like it's, you cannot have a life. It was not whatever you believe in God, the universe, whatever it is that you believe in. It was not the goal for there to be this perfect thing where we never experienced all emotions, where we never experienced, you know, great, 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 incredible joys and really, really hard, traumatizing, you know, life gut-wrenching situations. And nobody's, nobody's free from that, right? Like everybody has their own, their own trauma, but it's, it's being able to let the two Oh my God. Mary. I have like, right. It's I have like the perfect the quote. Mary. So steel Magnolias is one of my favorite movies. Ugh. Can we not cry in this episode? I don't <laughs> want to. Brittany's already cried a little bit. I don't um, want to cry. Go but ahead. Go ahead. When Dolly, Parton's, Dolly Parton's character said her famous quote in that movie, one of her famous quotes is laughter through tears is my favorite emotion. Yes. Oh my gosh. It is. And it is because you just, that sums up exactly what you said. You know, the, the experience, the combination, the two intertwined that makes for a a rich and fulfilling life. And I get it. You may not have said, that's not the pain I picked. I don't want that pain. We don't get to pick it. Right. Unfortunately, that's the problem. We don't get to pick it. It's that uh, acceptance thing, you know, Think about the best moment that you've had sitting around with your girlfriends. We've had this multiple times in person and through Marco Polo, but, but where we are, uh, we are in a heavy thing. One of us is in a heavy thing and we are talking about it. But in that, 
in that conversation of this heaviness that we can say something that's funny or that, you know, whatever. And we all are laughing and we're finding joy. See, it, it's just, it, it is a thing. There's not one without. Oh, you know what? One of it, my it, favorite it, movie moments where that ha- illustrates that is uh, the Sex in the City movie where big, yes, when she, you know, she ends up taking and she talks, the altar. they don't even make it to the altar. They don't, you know, he doesn't even right, make it inside, right. but she goes on her trip to Mexico with all the girls and she's like locked up in the room for days and days. And then she comes out and because Charlotte ate something, she pooped herself. herself. <laughs> she pooped <laughs> in her pants. Then she finally oh. laughed. She was crying and laughing. Yes. You know, that was, yes. That was the the moment, you know, and those are the moments that we live for. We think when we think we're not going to make it through, you know, those are the moments right. So you're like, right. Ugh, the unforgettable and forever bonding too. You can't ever take them back. Yeah. And we are so fortunate. Oh, that's so, what's so powerful about peer to peer support. We're so fortunate yes. to have, to have built this group we have to have that in each other, to have multiple opportunities right. to have those moments, whether it's real time in this show happening or in our separate conversations where we get to experience that. Think about how much that has helped all of us alleviate so much pain and we probably don't even give it credit. But this episode is testament to that. It gives credit directly to yeah. why it is so important to find your people because it's built in those smaller moments while we're sitting in our closets <laughs> recording a podcast going, what are we going to talk about today, guys? Um, mm-hmm. You know, just not doing anything that's like hugely significant. You know, yeah, there there are significant moments, but it's in the small things. You can find those yeah. that joy. And I think that's how we cope. That's how we're surviving <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> when we're not surviving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And, and then not allowing yourself to be caught up with the people who can't help you find you. Right. Right. You know, I would, I mean, just not to be a, a Debbie Downer on this, on this episode, but you know, if you, if you are finding yourself with surrounding yourself with people that, um, can't give you both, that can't, that can't allow for both, um, to coexist, then, then that's not good either. You know, like you've, you've got to find your group that can be in, in all of it with you, you know, that they can, they can be in the low, but they can bring you out of that and they can, and they can help you see the other side or that they can, um, you know, allow you to grieve and, and be there with you in the hard moments. Um, and it might take a few times before you find, find those people. It's not like you choose somebody and then, Oh, I have to make this work. Yeah. 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 And, and sometimes they're, you know, it's, it takes a group because they don't all balance, they all balance each other out. Well, one, you couldn't have one without the other. And I want to, no, you can't, no, you can't, you can't. That's absolutely, just absolutely. You couldn't just have a gene and Tosh together because then you'd probably get to (laughs) implode Uh, on each other. Yeah. um, Yeah. Uh, Like it's like looking in a mirror sometimes. Um, that's what my uh, brother-in-law used to say about me and my sister. Be like you two. It's just like looking in a mirror. They're just fighting with your fighting <laughs> with yourself. Um, so since you know, and it's been a minute since we've actually had any kind of conversation of regarding mental health. But I want to do some mental health uh, housekeeping here. Is that 
if you are finding yourself, you know, again, like Tosh had mentioned, you're going to, it's normal to feel this up and down one minute you're happy, one minute you're sad or whatever. It's when those episodes get steeper, you are in these, you're finding yourself staying in these places longer. Please, please, please do not be scared to reach out to find help, whether it's a therapist, suicide hotline, whatever it is that you need to do. There are resources, make sure that that is happening. Or, you know, again, if you know someone that is struggling like that, be the friend and reach out and do check-ins with them. And reminder to check in on your strong friends. Don't just assume, Hey, I got it. They got it. They're fine. They, they got everything, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. but I think that's, that's super important because we really haven't. And we are, again, as full disclosure, we are not mental health professionals. (laughs) We use the mental health professionals, uh, ourselves. And, um, you know, this is, this is one of the best things that you can do for your mental health is, is finding your people and getting that peer to peer support that you need, um, Mm -hmm. to make sure that, that you're doing that for yourself. Can't recommend it even more. I don't know. I think that's part of the reason why I'm surviving and treading water right now again is because, building that foundation and diversifying your portfolio of support around you. That's right. T-shirts coming soon. (laughs) So I think I know that we didn't do now. I know this is kind of like a, like a little bit of a bonus episode to, to our grief uh, series. And again, if it's not something that you listened to, you weren't with us in the very beginning of our journey of our podcast. I we highly recommend that you go back and listen to, all six of those episodes, um, especially if you're walking through something hard and you can do it by topic if you want and not do all six, but uh, be, hopefully you can find some solace and, and help in that. But I think, you know, we didn't do peaks, but I think because this is about grief and joy colliding, um, I think it would be appropriate to share at the end of this episode, something that has brought you joy um, in the essence of, what you're what, what you're work, walking through right now. So whoever wants to go first. Um, well, I mean, this is kind of, this is, I would say mine is in reference to, of course, Jack, which I talked about earlier about the, the whole report card thingy, you know, but seeing um, just period how far along he's come, but uh, just, two weeks ago. I don't even know what's even happening a week ago. Anyways, when I did VBS vacation Bible school for my church and I am the lead of the, um, of our special needs and our kids ministry. Um, we have an older, we have an older guy in there who is a, a young adult. He actually just graduated from his transition program through the school district. Um, he was one of my helpers and it's just so incredible to watch and see that example of, of a person to our younger generation of, of, um, you know, spectrum kiddos that, that anything is possible, you know, um, and, and just seeing that joy that he's helping and he's being, you know, this, this part of that, but then also that they have something to look up to and that they can be just as much a part of a typical, situation. Yeah. That representation. That representation is so huge. And just the pure joy 
on everybody's face, you know, and, and, uh, and these kiddos being able to go up on stage and for their typical peers to see, you know, that, that everybody can do everything together. There isn't, you know, this and, and, and inclusion isn't a place. It's a, it's a, it's a everywhere. It is a, you know, it's a way of life, a person, it's a people, it's a a way way of of life, life. not proximity. Yes. Gosh, dang it. It's not proximity. And, and, um, and you know, that that is the norm, that that needs to be the norm, you know, that, that, that these kiddos, that these people, um, they have something to teach the world. The world has something to learn from them, not the other way around. I mean, yes, but you know, yeah. Anyways, it was just joy. It was just a joyous week. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Love it. All right, Brittany. Okay. So we have reached a new level with Ruby. Ruby is now nine and old enough now that she is able to interact and, you know, I don't know if play is the right word, but, but enjoy activities with her older brothers a little bit more, right? The gap of age and ability is, is shrinking a little bit. And, you know, they're teenagers, they're not super interested in doing things with their little sister all the time, but they are, there's also a big enough of an age gap where they are willing to indulge and play along for, you know, at least a little while because she's so cute and, you know, you can't deny when she turns those big brown eyes on you. So, um, we, I have... And sometimes they need a little push. Sometimes they need a little, little mama nudge to get off of their screens, right? And acknowledge the world around them. It's another teenage um, area that will be coming your way if you're not already there. And so it's it's about buying. We we bought some um, five dollar motorized boats, and I got one for got one for Ruby and Scott and Tyler, and. Austin will just throw it over the fence. So he didn't get one. Um, and I, I unboxed them and I said, let's go have a boat race guys out in the pool. And they, you know, like rolled their eyes, took off their headphones, unplugged themselves from whatever device they were on. And they were out there for 45 minutes. I thought they would do it for like 10. They had a blast, you know, and they stopped only because it was dinner, (laughs) like just little moments like that. Um, where maybe, maybe I little give a little nudge. Like I said, I provided the opportunity, but then I just sit back and let it be. Um, Ruby really wanted to do water balloons. Um, I made them put on their swim shorts (laughs) and go out and they had so much fun trying to find different ways to pop those water balloons other than just throwing it at someone. They did plenty of that too, but you know, there was a wide variety of creative ways to pop a balloon with different body parts and, you know, other things. Uh, so that was fun. Like just, just stuff like that. Uh, we played a a new card game that Ruby was able to understand, comprehend, and was interested in. And the boys were willing to play a couple of rounds with us. Right. So, and I participated in that one as well. Um, so it's just acknowledging those moments, providing those moments when I can, when I have the capacity and the ability to do so, and letting it go. Um, Scott is teaching Ruby how to play a, a computer game. So you can you can involve the screens too if you need to a little bit. Uh, it's, an, it's an old game <laughs> from like, the 90s. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I'll allow this, right? Because they're doing it together. And he's teaching mm-hmm. her a skill 
Um, and it's, it's an old game that my little brother, who's 13 years younger than me played in the nineties, early nineties. And, um, it's like $2 on, I, I don't even know where Scott finds these things like somewhere. Don't ask me. And she's playing this, this cute little video game about weather. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and, and the he's joy teaching- that you get though from, yeah. They're playing the joy that they're watching their joy. Yeah. You know? It's adorable. And he's being very patient and she's learning a skill and they're interacting and it's like all these positives. So mm-hmm. yay for siblings getting along and not fighting yay. or teasing together. <laughs> that is awesome. I really like the boats though. I like that. Well, also like boats how you're great. like, I didn't make them. It's just the appropriate amount of agitation. <laughs> Yes. To the scenario. And then I liked your choice of words. And then I also got to participate in this one. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, yes, it was a privilege for me. (laughs) I know. Love it. I love, I I love, I love all of Brittany's reiterations of her experiences there. I can, I get, I totally get the picture. I can envision the whole entire thing. It's always so great. Um, all right. So I I know in the episode I mentioned, like, again, I was struggling with the really just being like, why am I like not feeling like I'm allowed to enjoy my kids or why am I not enjoying them? I feel like I'm in such a struggle. I don't even have the energy to then devote to that, to pay attention, to be present for it. Because if I stop paying attention to that, then I can't, then when I start paying attention to their joy, then I won't pay attention to the other things I need to pay attention to. Right. Um, but so, you know, we had a the holiday this week. Um, and for the, for the past couple of years, we haven't really been able, and Brittany had mentioned this in the, in her shared experiences, of, you know, that we really couldn't enjoy the holiday like everybody else does because, because Rory has limitations or we have limitations as a family. Um, well, during the day I did things with the kids and just fun, basic stuff like chalk stuff. And usually Rory doesn't want anything to do with the chalk and playing with that outside, but he ended up doing it in his own way, ended up covered in it. And it was hilarious. He made himself look like a drag queen. McKenna jumped in and was drawing on him even more, drew six pack abs. It was quite amazing. It was a funny moment, but then we're like sweating to, you know, we're all sweating together and have, everybody needs to bathe and change already again. And, uh, before we go to, to the block party, well, Rory also takes his, you know, daily medications and his nighttime administration. It's critical that he gets it at certain times, or at least within a range of time so that he does fall asleep when he's supposed to, and then stays asleep. Can't kind of screw with that. You know, and, and certain holidays, it's, there's a lot more celebration at night, you know, and when you have celebration in those evenings, so then we're kind of wrapped. So usually like one parent, you know, had to leave and then another one would stay, or maybe we'd rotate or take turns, but no, no, sad. He wasn't, I was trying to get it to get him to stay up to watch fireworks, but it just wasn't going to happen. He was ready to fall asleep and I had staggered his, his administration time. But what was amazing was that who McKenna she's kind of been deprived of like having that experience. Right. And so because the block party was right in front of our house um, and 
there were other little kids from our school her age. I had relationships with the neighbors, you know, close enough to be able to say, Hey, I'm going to put Rory to sleep. Do you mind keeping an eye on McKenna? Giving the rules and parameters. She's at the age where I could do that appropriately. And I'm not leaving her to her own because she was still supervised, but she still has the autonomy. She had like the best freaking time. I come out there after I put Rory to sleep. She is, they're like the, some of the last people standing her and this little girl that are out there with the, the dad and, and the one neighbor. And she was just having the best freaking time. And I was so happy. And I could stay out there and hang out for a little bit because it was, you know, it was literally right in front of my house. It was adjacent to that. And um, so I could respond to Rory if he woke up or something. It was just kind of nice to like be in this space. And it was also odd, you know, doing this by myself. I didn't have the duality of like the the other parent to be able to say, hey, you're going to do this and kind of tag team it. I was like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. I did it. And everyone's happy and we had a good holiday and there wasn't like huge drag out, like meltdown or travesty or no one was deprived of the things that they wanted to do. Right. And so that was, and they had, everyone had joy and experience that day. So I think that wraps up our perfect episode here of joy and uh, grief colliding. Yes, they can coexist follow those steps. If you actually need to be mindful and intentional about how can I allow myself to experience joy while I'm walking through grief, I think those are just pretty solid parameters. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So thanks for, for being with us today. We loved having you and make sure you click like and follow or subscribe to whatever podcast player you use and be sure to make sure that you write any reviews. Honestly, it's not because we want you to inflate our egos or our heads. It's because we want other families like you to find, be able to find this resource and this podcast because so many have shared that this has been a lifeline for them, that they've needed this. And that's the whole purpose of why we created this in the first place is we wanted to expand our reach um so other people could get could get help you know get support and find their people like we did so thanks for being with us today talk to you soon bye Bye. we love you